Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. And uh, this evening I'm just going to ask you to join me in prayer. And uh, as we pray over the word of the Lord, uh, you heard uh, Brother Bobby already mentioned this. Let's pray for the Cooper family. And uh, what an un- unusual and extraordinary journey they have been on. Uh, for the last several months and so let's just ask God to touch them Uh, we know nothing about a memorial service here and uh, as soon as that information is made available we will certainly pass that along but let's just pray that God would touch them and and, uh, strengthen Sister Cooper and their entire family and uh, as we pray tonight let's pray over the word of the Lord and ask God to touch us I am very very thankful for the word of the Lord that we heard Sunday on worship. Amen. Thank you, Brother Chris Osborne, for just touching our heart and uh, kind of digging around and helping us realize that this is not just going through the motions, but God is behind all of that. So let's pray tonight and ask God to touch this word to our heart this evening. Lord, I love you today, and I thank you so much for the privilege that you have given us to come into this house. And so I'm asking you, Lord, to help us as best as we can and with all that is within us to just set everything else aside. And now for the next few moments, I pray, God, that we can just focus upon your word and let your word just be branded into our heart and our mind here this evening. I pray this this word would touch our hearts and lead us and guide us. We're asking you to touch the Cooper family tonight and strengthen them. God, there's nothing that can prepare us for the loss of people that we love. But I'm asking you to keep your hand upon them tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. This evening, continuing our our study of just fundamental uh, basics uh, in living for the Lord, I want to talk about prayer and fasting. And I think these are two incredibly important uh, things that we exercise or or should exercise in our lives. There is a tendency among the carnal for this not to be a popular subject. But if you understand anything about prayer and anything about fasting, we know how important it is to our relationship with God And uh, prayer and fasting, I want to just say right out of the gate today, uh, tonight, that uh, these two subjects are not options. These are not things we can do if we feel like it, if it fits into our life. But these are things that we must make room for and uh, ask God to to touch us and strengthen us in in these areas. And uh, there are issues of spiritual discipline and I believe that far beyond just the spiritual discipline, there are things that are added to us. And so I have a, a lot of ground to cover tonight. And so I'm going to uh, hopefully hit the ground running. 
And uh, so if you will just kind of follow along on the screen, I, I ask you always to bring your Bible, something to write on and something to write with. And uh, you may want to make notations of some of these scriptures and go back and refer to them at some point. But uh, prayer and fasting are, are incredible weapons. As a matter of fact, they're probably some of the most powerful weapons that we have in our arsenal of spiritual warfare. And so this evening I want to talk about, uh, to begin with, prayer. And then I want to conclude uh, with talking about prayer and fasting. Because I believe that scripturally they need to be combined. Amen. There, that's where our strength comes from. And so when we think about prayer, it's a vast subject. And uh, in all reality, I'm sure that we could take one whole night and just talk about prayer and another whole night and just talk about fasting. So it, it becomes obvious that I'm just going to touch some of the high points of this. But there are many, many examples of prayer. In the book of Acts chapter 12 and verse 5, the Bible says, Peter therefore was kept in prison. And uh, if you know anything about the story, the unfolding story of Acts 12, uh, then you know how important it was and how, how, what a perilous moment this was in the life of Simon Peter. He was kept in prison, but the Bible says, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. That unceasing prayer of the church. And uh, we know that there was a miraculous deliverance of Simon Peter as a direct, not a supposed not a maybe so, hope so, if you look at it at a right angle, but a direct connection to the continuous prayer of the church, intercessory prayer, and the miraculous delivery, so miraculous that the man being delivered and those that were praying for his deliverance could not even believe that he was delivered. Simon Peter thought he was dreaming. <laughs> And the people that was praying for him thought that the woman, the young girl that brought the message was delusional. But that's what happens when the church prays. James 5 and 15, the Bible says, and, prayer, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. The Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. And here, here is the portion of verse 16 that we so often hear quoted and rightly so. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The enemy of our souls would love to minimalize prayer. As a matter of fact, let me just make that more personal. He would love to minimalize our prayer to the point of silencing us. But the scripture says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There are many battles that we face in our walk with God. And if we're going to be honest, then we're going to have to confess that, that we are in a spiritual battle. And so there are, there are forces, there are satanic forces that come against us individually, come against the church uh, collectively. And so we had best learn how to get our hands on prayer and fasting. I want to be real, real sure this evening that we're on the same page. And so I will say again that when I'm talking about prayer in the context of our subject tonight and fasting in the context of our subject, I am not talking about prayer over our food. I'm not talking about 
a five-minute quick prayer as we kind of buzz down the highway. I'm not talking about prayer now I lay me down to sleep. I'm talking about having a prayer life, having a consistent, uh, systematic time, if you please, of prayer or a season of prayer. When I say time, I'm not just exactly talking about 6 a.m. I know some people's daily schedules are far more regimented uh, than others due to uh, whatever the demands of your day or life may be. And so we, we must have at least a, a designated time, season, that we are going to be praying. When I'm talking about fasting, I'm not just talking about uh, forgetting to eat and say, well, you know what, I've, I fasted breakfast. I want, I want that to count. I want to get I'm talking about being very intentional about saying this is what I'm going to do and being obedient to that nudging of the Lord. Now, I, I uh, sometimes talk about myself or I talk about my wife or maybe others and I don't do that to, to try to sound more spiritual or more intellectual or anything of the measure. Uh, I, I'm just trying to testify or not boast of that, the, anything but there are times in my own life, and my wife has done the same thing, that she has come to me and said, I just feel like I need to fast. Just, just as though you feel sometimes compelled to pray. I think that there's nothing wrong with having consistent uh, times of fasting. I know we have people in our church that fast at least once a week, and they have done that for many years. Some have done that for decades. And uh, that's a wonderful habit to have. But there are times that we just feel compelled of the Spirit to pull away. And we need to be obedient to those times. You don't have any idea why God may be pulling you away in that season. So it is very, very imperative that we obey that. And so with that covered, I, I want you to understand that through prayer and fasting, we can overcome many, many things, if not everything that we face in our life. We're told to pray in Scripture. We're taught. And uh, I, I want to maybe even be more not just taught, but we are compelled to pray. And the, the Bible says in 1 Timothy 2 and 8, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And there's many other scriptures than those that we would have time to bring to you tonight. But Jesus said in Luke 21 and 36, Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Luke 18 and 1, and he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not faint. I believe that there is a, I know that there is a difference between the mindset of prayer and actual prayer. I think we need both. I think that we need to have a time of prayer, a season of prayer, a consistent prayer life, but I think that we can also live in a spirit of prayer, an abiding presence of prayer. Amen, that, that, we, that it's not just something that's just so formal. It's not something where I feel like I gotta push things aside and kneel down, but I can just live in an attitude of prayer. And, and I, I know that it's obvious to most this evening that a lot could be said about prayer. Time will not at all permit me to touch every aspect of it, but there are a few things that we should at least pause and point out. Book, the book of Matthew 6 and 5, here's the words of Jesus and I'm going to come back to this again, Matthew 6 and 5, uh, a little bit later on, or at least uh, this, this reference a little bit later on. The Bible says in Matthew 6 and 5, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue 
and in the corners of the street that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. And so if our prayer comes down to motive, as do as would many things in our lives, it comes down to the motive and God is weighing the motive of our heart. And so if we're just praying to be seen and heard of men, uh, well, whatever, whatever wow moment happened in the heart of somebody that heard you praying, that was your reward. And so uh, I, I have uh, had to learn how to get over uh, people watching me pray or people hearing me pray or people watching me worship or hearing me worship the Lord because most of what I do is played out. I'm not the only one, but most of what I do because of just by virtue of sitting on the platform is kind of played out for everybody. And so I don't want somebody to think I'm doing that because I'm trying to impress you. Matter of fact, I just forget you're here. Amen. <laughs> and uh, I, I, didn't come to, I didn't come to see who's here. I'm concerned about who's here or who's not here. But I came to worship the Lord and magnify the Lord. Unless something is just really, really out of sorts, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to those that go in and out. Uh, I do some because you can't help it. But... Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'd have been better off to have thought that instead of said it, but nevertheless, it's already out there to deal with. But I didn't come here to count how many times somebody goes in. I didn't come here to count all of that and keep up with all that. If I did that, I would go crazy. And so I just came to magnify the Lord. That's what the song says. That's what the song says. And so the Bible says in this particular verse, and this is what I want us to note, that, that Jesus said when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray. And so I think there is an expectation a prayer on the part of the Lord. And Jesus also taught us to pray with sincerity, to be real in what we're doing and not hypocritical. And so I think as a child of God, we need to understand that a prayer life is what secures our foundation. Um, we're not always in church. We're not always together. And so I need a foundation and that foundation comes to me through prayer. Everything I believe rises and falls on our ability to touch heaven. I think that we have to have, that you and I have to have a relationship with, with Jesus Christ. I, I'm thankful that people have an endearment to the church. I'm, I'm really thankful for that. I'm glad that God put it in my heart to go to church. But I don't want my relationship to only be with the church. Now there's a danger in this being lopsided. There's a danger in people just having you know, such a heavenly relationship with the Lord that they have no relationship with the church and the opposite of that can be true, that we can have such a wonderful relationship with the church that we don't have a relationship with the Lord of the church. Amen. And so I say, Lord, help us that we find that and secure that balance, that no matter what our varied jobs or responsibilities may be, that we understand first and foremost that we've come here to magnify and lift up the name of the Lord. And, and some of the responsibilities that people bear in this church so that the ministries of the church can move forward is absolute, real, genuine work. Don't ever underestimate that. It's real work. It's real work to, to come here tonight. Just what's happened up to this point in this very service a lot of effort has gone into just what we have done up to this point. 
But if, if we are not careful, we can just fall in love with the job aspect of this and not realize that I, I've come here with a responsibility, but I, my greater responsibility beyond feeding the sheep is to worship the shepherd. And so I've come to magnify and lift up the name of the Lord. You can get so caught up in teaching a Sunday school class or you can get caught up in teaching a youth group until you can actually grow cold in the Lord. And you've got your Bible in your hands, in your lap. And so uh, we can fall in love with our responsibilities to the point that we fall out of love with the Lord of those responsibilities. And so I don't want to have just a relationship with a church. I want to have a relationship with the Lord. And we need the local church, but I'm going to tell you the local church will be nothing if we don't have people that are in love with the Lord of this house. And so there's a lot of things that we could pray for. This list could be very, very long uh, tonight, but I do believe that we need to pray for the leaders in our lives, whether that's spiritual leaders or secular leaders. The scripture teaches us, 1 Timothy 2 and 1, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings, he said in verse two, and for all that are in authority, for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. And so we need to pray for those in our lives that have authority in our lives, whether that would be governmental authority, church authority, or uh, maybe authority on your job. We need to pray for those that are in authority over us in our lives and praying uh, that, that God would touch them. You know, I, I think it's important to, to notice that in, in these instructions of prayer that, the, that we're not instructed to pray for ourselves, but we're instructed to pray for others, at least beginning with others, and pray for those. We ought to pray for the lost, Perhaps that should go without saying, but we ought to pray for the lost. Matthew 9 and 38, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And so we ought to pray for the lost. We need to pray to overcome the power of Satan in this world and that power that affects our lives. John 16 and 33, these things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And so I'm thankful that, uh, that we have overcome in power, but I wanna be praying. I don't wanna be a uh, uh, presumptuous about that and just assuming that, but I wanna pray for the power of overcoming sin and Satan. I wanna pray to be spiritually minded. I've met people that are spiritually minded. And, and, and they have a great take on scripture. I've met people that are worldly minded, carnally minded and, and kind of twist and contort everything to be in that bent. But I wanna pray to be spiritually minded. The Bible says, Romans 5, 8 and 5, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Verse nine says this, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And so there is this, there is this compelling of the scripture in Paul writing to the church in Rome that we would be spiritually minded. Another thing that we should pray for is to have an humble spirit. Yes. 
Amen. To have a real, genuine spirit of humility. Genuine humility. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 14, For if I forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father, if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And so I think uh, we need to really understand the value of humility in our lives and pray that God would help us to be humble. The Bible says in, in the book of 2 Corinthians 4 and 16 that Paul taught this. He said, for which cause we faint not, but through our outward man, though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Amen. So we ought to pray that God would help us to stand. <laughs> pray that God would help us, help me not to faint. Help me not to faint. Amen. So I pray that God would help us understand the value of these things. Help me, Lord, not to get lost in all of this, but to stand true for you. I believe that people of prayer always have their reward. There are, there are several illustrations in Scripture, but a couple that just came readily to my mind was Cornelius, who while in prayer found salvation as he was offering up alms. Amen. He found salvation. Peter was freed, as I mentioned a moment ago, from prison because prayer was being made. The benefits of prayer and fasting, I think are the list could be very, very long. But uh, let, me, let me read several scriptures here tonight. I'm gonna begin in Matthew and then we're gonna go to the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah. Matthew 17 and 19, the Bible says, then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could not we cast him out? Speaking of the devil, a man possessed of the devil. And so he said, why could not we cast him out? Why couldn't we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind, this kind, goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. And so what Jesus was saying is that there are some things we're going to need the power and the presence of God supernaturally operating in our lives and that's not gonna come just because we're good tax-paying citizens. Those things are gonna come by prayer and fasting. Isaiah 58 and six, the Bible says, is it not this fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens and to let the oppressed go free and that ye break every yoke is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry that thou uh, bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked that thou cover him and, 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 thou, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh, then shall thy light break forth as the morning and listen, thine health shall spring forth speedily and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be your re reward or your rearward or the rear guard. He said that, that the glory of the Lord is not just gonna be in front of you, but there's gonna be a rear guard behind you. Amen, I firmly believe that, that, in the, in, that prayer is by far, prayer and fasting is by far one of the greatest activities of the human soul. I believe there's something powerful that is released in our lives as we involve ourselves in prayer and fasting. There's no activity I don't think that even can come close to what these things will produce in our spirit. Prayer in and of itself, prayer and its faith, give it 
face is a, is a rather simple activity. If you just think about prayer, it, it just, it almost seems so simplistic that we so easily, easily underestimate its value and its worth. However, I don't think that we can ever fully come to understand the incredible significance of prayer in our life. Prayer gains the attention of heavenly hosts and it will cause angels to work on our behalf. I, I've met churches that and, and pastors that are that have challenged, my wife and I both talk about this often, we've met people that have challenged us to pray and, and to pray differently than perhaps we had ever prayed before even meeting those uh, these individuals or God allowing our paths to cross. And I don't want you to take this out of context, but I'm going to tell you that I've been blessed just by listening to other people pray. <laughs> As you just understand the value and the power and the presence of the Lord, in more than one church and on more than one occasion, I've just stood outside of prayer rooms, not excusing myself from prayer. I don't want you to think that, but just stood outside of prayer rooms and just listened to the saints of God as they begin to pray. Those corporate voices that were going up before God, they weren't praying to be seen and heard of men, but they understood that they were getting the attention of heavenly hosts and, and that when we pray, angels work on our behalf. That's what the scripture teaches us. Amen. Sometimes we think prayer has to be fancy in order to be effective, but that's not true at all. I think some of the most powerful prayers that have ever been prayed have been prayers that were quite simple, prayers that were quite direct, prayers that were to the point. I'm not taking away from any manner of prayer, but when I think about some of the most powerful prayers in Scripture, and again, I don't, I don't have time to bring everything that comes to my mind to you, believe it or not. But uh, I, I was thinking about this today, and as I was thinking about simple prayers, direct prayers, prayers right to the point, one of the first things that came to my mind was Elijah on Mount Carmel. When you read the prayer of Elijah, it is very concise. It is very succinct. Elijah begins to pray a very simple prayer, but it was direct. It was to the point. And I think this prayer that was prayed on Mount Carmel is an end result of a prayer life that had already been established far before this day. But he prayed a very effectual prayer and God heard that prayer and, and answered by fire. Another prayer was the prayer of Samson. I mean, Samson was in a mess, can we say amen? <laughs> At this particular moment in his life, he is being led by the hand uh, uh, of a child and he wraps his arms around the pillars of this place and he prays a very direct and to the point prayer. I need you to hear me one more time in my, in my folly, in my mistakes. Amen. But Samson was a man that had repented and God heard this very simple prayer. And the Bible says that Samson killed more Philistines in the end of his life than he did in his entire life. And that's quite a statement. Because Samson was a killing machine. Yes, he was. And so we, when we consider that Jesus Christ himself made, a bold, made many bold statements regarding prayer being made more effective when it is coupled uh, together with fasting, I think we can't discount that. We cannot discount that. We know that fasting is a biblical principle and that it is for us today. And so I want to, I want to as quickly as I can, I want to cover uh, the benefits of prayer and fasting. 
together. I believe that prayer and fasting together covers and, and touches a lot of aspects of our lives. But I think one of the things that comes to us as a direct result of prayer and fasting is personal sanctification and humility. It is very hard to be carnal and proud when you are on a journey of prayer and fasting. Amen. David said in Psalms 35 and 13, in part, just reading a, a, the last latter portion of Scripture, he said, I humbled my soul with fasting. I humbled my soul with fasting. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 4, blessed are those who mourn. And so when we humble ourselves in the Lord, we find great blessings in store for us individually. Now, some people may not fast because they just don't see the benefit in fasting. I hope, uh, I hope those are members of another church somewhere and... and uh, <laughs> And what we can do is just pray for that particular pastor tonight. <laughs> but because, because I think people don't fast because they don't see the benefit of fasting or they think that's just for another time, another place, another, another era, I want to underline some benefits of fasting this evening. I believe that personal sanctification, as I mentioned, or holiness is, is, is an enormous benefit. I, I think that's an, an immeasurable benefit that comes to us. Because fasting, when, again, we're going to have, and I'll read about this in Scripture in a moment, but when we're, the Bible is talking about praying out loud and praying in public and praying just for the sake of being seen and heard, that they have their blessings. So our motive has to be right about prayer. And by the same token, our, our fasting has to be right. Our motive for fasting has to be right. And so fasting, when it's done with the right motives, purges our soul uh, of it purges us. It helps us to be very sensitive to negative influences in our lives, our emotions, our, our negative desires in our lives because fasting can get you very sensitive to the Spirit and the presence of God. If humility is, is the basic ingredient for true holiness, then I think it's important from time to time that we humble ourselves by fasting. And again, I don't say this to sound... Uh, um, to, to sound like a smart aleck at all, but if you think fasting is no big deal, then you need to try it. I promise you, I promise you, if you think that you've got it all together and that your flesh is not running the show, I just challenge you to start in the morning. I challenge you to start, just don't even eat when you get home tonight. Just start when you get home. And, and we, we, we quickly find out that that our flesh is a very dominant voice in our lives, our flesh. And so, uh, and so at the very heart of, of, many, of, of many of our besetting sins, now can I have your attention for a few more moments now? At the very core or the very heart of many of our besetting sins, and when I say besetting sins, what I mean by that are those things that we just find ourselves constantly having to repent of. I must only be speaking to a half dozen or so. Those besetting sins, those things that we just can't seem to get a handle on are those, those personal failures. I'm going to tell you at the heart of many of those, I'm very careful when I feel like I'm painting with a broad brush and I've got a pretty good sized brush in my hand right now, but I'm going to tell you at the very heart of many of our besetting sins is the spirit of pride. Amen. We will not admit we have a problem. 
I've got it together. It's pride. We don't think about it as pride because, you know, we kind of have pride painted up a different way. And you may think that's a very strange statement, but I'll promise you there's merit to that. We think that we're right. We want everything our way. And, and the end result of all of that is pride, pride. And so how can fasting then possibly help us here? I want to read a, a passage of Scripture that deals with this last day generation. And I certainly believe that we are among the last day generation. I think, uh, again, I'm repeating myself, but unless you've been living under a rock for the last couple of years, then, then uh, you realize that just outside the doors of this church, there's a lot of shaking going on in this world. And so the Bible says in Luke 21, 34, and take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life, and so that the and so that day come upon you unawares. He said, You need to be very, very careful, lest at any time your heart is so overcharged and, and there's this drunkenness. And this is not necessarily referring to the drunkenness of wine or alcohol or things of that nature, but just the drunkenness, the, the cares of this world. I want to tell you something today. I, I can only preach about America because I am an American, and I think that gives me a right to say a few things here. But I'm going to tell you that America is so intoxicated with toys and pleasure until you ask many, many people walking down the sidewalk about what's going on with our world, they don't have a clue. And I don't pretend to have my finger on the pulse of it all, but I'm going to tell you, you ask them about the current events, world events, and they'll stare at you like a cow at a new gate. But you ask them about a ball team, you ask them about a NASCAR race, I'm being very honest with you. My Lord, they can quote stats and scores and they know who won the World Series in 1964 and they've got all of these things down pat. Why? Because for a long time, hell has just been rocking us to sleep and mesmerizing us and, and we're more worried about entertaining ourselves than any other nation in the world. God, help us today. God, help us to wake up. The... Take heed to yourselves. Wake up, in other words. I, I, I refer sometimes to the Message Bible, which is uh, just a paraphrased Bible. It's not another interpretation of that. But the, 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 the Message Bible, the paraphrased Bible says this, Be on guard. Don't let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled by parties and drinking. I'm just reading out of the book now. By parties and by drinking and by shopping. Amen. And if you think women are the only shoppers in the world, you're out of your mind. You turn some of these guys loose in a Bass Pro Shop. You turn some guys loose in the mall. Teach a few ladies, teach some ladies a few things about shopping. But just shopping, the want, the desire of things, the want of things. Amen. Boy, some people are praying right now, God, help him move on to the next subject. Just give him the strength and the energy to move on. Amen. Don't let the sharp edge of your expectation, the sharp edge of your expectation, I'm going to tell you the church of the living God. I'm talking about people that have been water baptized in his name and filled with the spirit. 
We ought to be the most expectant body that's walking on the face of this planet. Our eye ought to always be on the sky. If we believe in the imminent return of Jesus Christ, if we believe on Monday what we shouted about Sunday, if we believe on Friday what we're clapping our hands about on Wednesday, then we ought to be a body of people that are living with a spirit of expectation. And so the book says, don't let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled on the things of this world. Otherwise, he said, the day, that day is going to take you by complete surprise. What day is he talking about? He's talk, don't, don't underestimate this. He's talking about the rapture of the church, the coming of the Lord. Amen. Don't be so dull. Don't be so rocked to sleep that the day of the Lord catch you by total surprise. Amen. I'm certainly not preaching against, hear me now, I'm not preaching against buffet-style restaurants, but, but hear me now, hear me now. Amen. If, if, we, if we think that just gorging ourselves on those things are going to make us feel better, it never does. And if we think that just gorging ourselves on the buffet-style of life, that whatever we have, whatever we want, for the most part, let's just get real. I know there are no millionaires in this house, but I'm going to tell you, there's not many hurting people in this house either. We got pretty much what we, we got what we need and we got almost what we want. Well, glory to God. Somebody's going to look at their neighbor and said, I thought he was teaching on prayer and fasting. How in the world? He's out here in the end zone all by himself. But if we're not careful, we will just gorge ourselves with things. And when you get those things home and never, ever, ever bring what we thought they were going to bring. Amen. Fasting is a positive habit to form in your life. And so I'm going to move. Another benefit, uh, you got your prayer through. I'm moving on. <laughs> Another benefit of fasting is this. It, it makes our prayers more effective when we fast. The Bible says in Ezra 8.21, I, want to, I don't want to just say something. I want to give you scripture to validate what I'm saying. Ezra 8, 21, the Bible says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Akava, and that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. Amen. This is a far-reaching thing we're after. For I, I was ashamed to require of the king, a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy of the way because we had spoken unto the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek him, but his power and his wrath is against all them that forsake him. And here in verse 23, the Bible says, So we fasted and besought our God for this, and he was entreated of us. Amen. They said, God, we need you to help us, and we're, we're going to fast. You know, in the Bible, many times that when a fast was called, I mean, everybody got looped into that. I'm talking about dogs, cats, sheep, goats. Am I in the book? We're calling a fast, and everybody's going to... Everybody is going to be fasting. But so fasting opens up spiritual channels to heaven and it makes our prayers more effective. And God hears our prayers. Let me pause right here. Our youth are with us. And, and I want to say this to them and address them and, and compliment them on some things that, that from time to time, uh, annually, at least generally one time a year, corporately, 
our church goes on a fast. And you know what? Our Sunday school and our children's ministry and our youth departments work together and they break down these fasts for them and we put something on their level where they can reach it and our, our children participate in these fasts. I'm going to tell you that's humbling to me. That is humbling to me. They need to learn as children how to pray and how to fast and what you're giving up for God. What you give up, God will always put back in your hand. Yes, he will. And so our prayers are, are more effective when we fast. Another benefit of prayer and fasting could be to change the mind of God. Now, before you jump to conclusions, just let me throw a little scripture at you. In the book of Jonah chapter 3, God was going to destroy Nineveh. Now, I'm not suggesting here that we can just arbitrarily change the mind of God. But here's, here, here was a God that was going to destroy Nineveh, but because these people humbled themselves with fasting and cried out to God in prayer, the mind of God was changed. Jonah 3 and 10, the Bible says, And God saw their works, and they, that they turned from, evil, from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them and he did it not. Another benefit of prayer and fasting is for deliverance. There's little doubt in my mind, little doubt in my mind that if more, if more born again Christians would fast, amen, if they, if they would make up in their mind that I am going to fast, amen, they would have a better understanding of what the spirit of God is doing in the hour that we're living in. Amen. They would understand the delivering power. That, you know, when we talk about deliverance often, and, and I'm going to refer to delivering of others, but, but I'm going to tell you that we need to be delivered of some things. And so when we begin to pray and fast ourselves, it delivers us and frees us from a lot of things. And I, Isaiah 58 and 6, the Bible says this, Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of the wicked, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke? I want to tell you tonight, you, we can't afford not to fast because there is, deliverance in, there is deliverance in the balance here when we begin to fast. Not only deliverance for others, but there's deliverance in our, own, in our own lives. Another benefit of prayer and fasting is that revelation comes to us by the power of the Holy Ghost. God will show us things that we need to see in prayer and fasting. And I don't mean that always comes by way of dreams and visions, but God can lead us and guide us and direct us. But we may need some fresh direction for our life and peace of mind. There are times that I've just kind of felt up against the wall. I didn't know what to do. And so we just started fasting and praying until God began to give us some direction. And again, that's not always a heavenly visitation in the still of the night. But God will give you peace about something uh, in your life that you need to do or insight into the word of God. I'm going to tell you when you pray and fast and then you combine that, I hope you're already reading the Bible, but when you're praying and fasting to really begin to study the word of God, God can open our eyes and, and help us to see the word of God uh, more, more thoroughly and, and that is a result of prayer and fasting. Uh, another pretty obvious, I think, uh, end result or benefit of prayer and fasting is, is that it's healthy. I'm not a medical doctor by any stretch of the imagination, but I read Isaiah 58 and 8 a moment ago, but in part it says, Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thy health shall spring forth speedily. And so those of you who have, have, have joined together in fasting, whether it's a corporate uh, 
thing that we're doing as a church or if you just kind of felt compelled to go on a fast, those first few days are pretty rough. And those first few days are not rough just because you're hungry. But some of that is rough because your body is getting rid of some toxins and, 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 and getting rid of some things. You're getting sugars out of your system and, and caffeine. <laughs> Careful how I handle that. Getting caffeine out of your system. and Amen. I've had more than one conversation with people when we've been on extended fast as a church and people, one thing collectively that people say is we get into this fast as I feel so much better. Amen. And so, I, so there's health benefits. Now, I understand that everybody here can do some math, and, but I just want to share something just by way of provoking your thoughts. That if you fast just one day a week, that means that you fasted 52 times. 52 days in a year. Now, I know that sometimes when we're going to say we're going to fast one day a week and, you know, you go on vacation or family comes over and that's your fast day and or just certain, just things happen. But let's just say that, that 12 times in the course of a year you get knocked off track. Do you know that you would still at the end of a year have fasted 40 days? That's kind of amazing to me to think about. And we could all fast a day. I know there are people here in our church who fast at least a day a, a week, and, and uh, I'm, I'm challenged by that. I appreciate that. It's amazing, but just like a body needs sleep, sometimes our body just needs rest. <laughs> I don't want to sound too gory here, but you know, every time we eat, our body has to has to do something with all of that. And so sometimes we ought to just give our digestive system a break, give it a day off. Amen. <laughs> I will move on. Not counting all the spiritual benefits, if the church would ever wake up to... I'm talking about the church collectively. If we could ever wake up to this powerful resource, I don't think we would ever be the same again because there's power in fasting, especially when it's coupled with prayer. If our musicians will come, I'm going to close with this. Some, some people may feel uncomfortable, and, I, and so our musicians are coming, and they're going to be moving around, a little bit of moving around in the sanctuary, but please don't disconnect from me because I think what I'm going to say right here can help some people. Sometimes people feel uncomfortable with public fasting or corporate fasting. And I think that I know why. And so I don't say this arrogantly. I say this to help us tonight. I think much of this is born from a misunderstanding about what Jesus says in Matthew 6.16. The Bible says, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance for they disfigure their face that they may appear unto men to fast verily I say unto you this sounds kind of like the scripture we read about prayer doesn't it they have their reward but thou he said when thou fastest here's how you do it you anoint your head with oil you anoint your head rather you wash your face wash thy face that thou appear not 
unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Again, Jesus didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast. Just like he said, not if you pray, but when you pray. And so I think that there is an expectation here in Scripture of, of fasting. And so I don't think Jesus at all implies that it is a part or it is a, a negative thing to be a part of a team of people that are fasting no more than it would be an evil thing to be a part of a team of people that were praying. We have some prayer teams in our church. And so they, they, they pray for various things, some of our outreach ministries, and they have the names. Uh, some of them, uh, or they have the names, some of the names, if not most of the names of the people that are being ministered to. And so they are praying, and they're on a team. They're working together to pray. Uh, we have a, a ladies' prayer night uh, monthly, and, and so uh, if the ladies can't come here to the church, they have a designated time to be praying in their home, if at all possible. And so... And so we know it's, it's out there. As a matter of fact, people even post it on Facebook. Ladies' prayer, 7 o'clock. That's not for touting that. That's not for boasting of that. It is for the energy that comes together when we are doing something together. Amen. I, I, I don't think Jesus is against us informing somebody if you're uh, fasting or letting them know sometimes, you know, just the sheer mechanics of it all, you have to let people know. My wife and I have been fasting and we've been invited to dinner by, by friends and we just had to say, you know, we, we just can't do that tonight. And, and uh, so that we don't leave some misunderstanding, we just kind of let them know we, we're fasting this week and, and uh, so we can't do that. And so I don't think that we lost, I don't think that we lost the benefit of that because that wasn't our motive. That wasn't our motive. And so, when we fast, I think that you certainly, as a matter of fact, the scripture teaches us that if you're going to fast to the people that are married, that you need to inform your spouse that you're going to be fasting. You need, you need to discuss that. You need to talk to people that's going to be affected by, by that. And, uh, and so it, it may be a little bit difficult if your wife is fasting for her to cook it every afternoon. Now, you ladies don't strike up a big fast. Just <laughs> I feel a spirit of fasting coming on. I didn't know I could get out of cooking. <laughs> I, 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 I say this humbly, but I, I say it instructionally. I don't think you should ever go on an extended fast without having somebody in your life to pray for you and with you. I have pastor friends that call me that say I feel uh, an urgency to start a fast. I don't know how long exactly I'm fasting, but I'm going on an extended fast. I want you to be a prayer covering for me while I'm fasting. Because when did the devil come to Jesus? When he was weak. In the flesh from fasting. And so... I'm not talking about now an extended fast. I'm not just talking about a day. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'm not even referring to three days. But when we get beyond those times, three days, five days, seven days, ten days, we need people praying for us. 
to have strength physically, but we need strength spiritually. I think that's good teaching, if I say so myself. We need people a prayer covering in our lives. So don't just go out on some extended fast alone. We need to make sure that we've got someone. Now, and, and as I close, if you'll stand, I know from time to time we do a church-wide fast, and I, I think there's even strength and wisdom in that. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go this far to say that I, I think we would agree, or at least I think there's a, an element in our church that would agree that, that we've enjoyed some of our church-wide things. It was, it was a journey that we were making together. And, and sometimes when you're at a low point, you just kind of realize, you know what, I'm not in this by myself. We're doing this as a church. And, and we're, 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 we're in this together. And so there's this synergy that is built into what we're doing. We're not doing that to, I think that has been really misrepresented sometimes, that people are just doing that to be seen and known and heard. But I believe that we, from time to time, ought to do that as a church body to say, we're just going to fast. We, a lot of times in the last few years, we have, we have started our new years just shortly after the new years. Uh, on, a, on a fast and so whatever it may be I would ask you this evening to consider the value of prayer and fasting in your life there will be never be a time never be a time where we over that you know several years ago uh, a few years ago now at least brother G.A. Mangan died and uh, what a loss what a loss to the world of Pentecost But I remember Brother Anthony Megan, I remember hearing this on more than one occasion, but I remember the first time I heard this, we just, I don't know, I was just kind of bowled over by it. That for Brother Mangan's birthday, every year, his father's gift to him for his birthday was his dad stayed at the church all day and prayed and fasted for him. It was his gift. you'd measure it. I don't know how you would measure it. I thought about Brother Mangan the first birthday after his dad had passed. There had to be an emptiness, <laughs> a void. Hey, what a gift, what a gift that you say, I'm going to, the gift I'm going to give you is I, I'm going to pray. our heart and our mind. I've, I've done all that I know to do tonight. I feel like God in the allotted time that I've said all I know to say. So I'm asking you Lord now to just take the word that has been presented. I'm asking you God to help us individually to pull that into our spirit. Pull it into our lives. So that it is something God that that we do on our own, not just something that we're called to do, but something that we do on our own, God. I'm asking you to help us as a church in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
Williams, it is time. It is time. What a challenge was presented to that entire congregation. At the end of the service, if you were there, you're eminently aware of what I'm about to say. What a tremendous demonstration of the power and the presence of God as people just begin to pray. I don't mean just willy-nilly prayer, but prayer, just the worship, the depth of what was going on. I was standing on the platform, and I, I looked to my immediate right at some point through all of this prayer, and I saw Brother, Brother Pat Williams coming down the outside wall. I saw him walking, just almost pulling, if you please. Brother Stewart, Brother Ken Stewart's father, he and his wife have been missionaries. They're now retired missionaries, but have spent decades of their life in Liberia. They were in Liberia in the 80s during the Civil War. Very, very, very dangerous. Probably one of the most dangerous places to be. And they stayed in their point of duty and began to serve, continue to serve. And God has just wrought mighty, mighty things through the hands of Brother and Sister Stewart in their ministry there. Brother Ken Stewart, one of his sons, is a pastor in Tampa. Some of you may know him, our North American Missions Director. Brother Tess Stewart, if you in recent years have purchased anything at some of our events from the publishing house, Brother Tess Stewart, another son, is, has been there, and so you've met them perhaps indirectly. But I, I, I saw Brother Williams pulling Brother Stewart, Elder Brother Stewart, down the aisle, and I remember, I remember this conscious thought. I said, buddy, somebody is fixing to have an encounter. Because here comes a man of power and prayer, a man of great sacrifice, a man that God's hand has obviously been on. I lost them in the crowd. I, I could not figure out which way they went after coming down the aisle, and I wasn't. I had that one just and just moved on to something else, and we continued to worship the Lord. And after a while, the crowd just kind of parted over on this side, and I saw Brother Stewart with his hands on my wife's head praying for her. I want to tell you what. I wasn't worried about excuse me, pardon me. I was trying to get to that place in time. Amen. And I stood there, and I'm going to tell you, I don't mean this to sound what, what, how somebody may take it, but I just stood there and listened to this man pray. And there was something powerful going on. Hear me. Something powerful going on. What I'm trying to tell you is this. We need more than just little shallow five, ten, seven-minute prayers. When people need something from God, they need somebody that's been to the throne and is coming down off of that mountain with something in their hand. Our world is lost. They're lost to themselves. If we say we have hope, then God help us if we are not putting that trumpet to our lips and sounding it with all that we have. How are we going to be sensitive to those needs? It's going to happen through what we're talking about tonight, prayer and fasting. May the Lord bless you. Let's just ask God to seal this to our heart. Can we do it, Lord? I love you tonight. I thank you for the privilege that you give us to pray. What an honor it is to pray. It's not a drudgery. What a privilege to pray. Thank you, God, for availing yourself to us through prayer and fasting. I'm asking you to help us now, God, to understand its value to our lives, not just today, but eternally. Not just to us, but to our children and to those that will be affected by them. I pray, God, that you'll touch us today.
strengthen us in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. May the Lord richly bless you. Don't forget this Friday night, our young ladies will be meeting here at the church uh, for hugs. And so I ask the Lord to just keep his hand upon them and those that will be working with them. May the Lord bless you. We're looking forward to seeing you this Sunday. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.